Cube Insights from the global leader in tech coverage. Good morning, Cubinators. Uh, we are here in Copenhagen, Nutanix.next. I'm your host, Rebecca Knight, along with my co-host, Stu Miniman. What, what, a, what, a, what a beautiful day in Copenhagen. It's such a pleasure to be co-hosting .next with you. This is a company that you have really been watching for a long time. We're, we're here celebrating 10 years of this company. I'd love to just get your first off-the-cuff off the thoughts. What, what do you think about this company? How has it changed since its inception 10 years ago? Tack, Rebecca, which unfortunately is the only uh, Danish that Danish, I know, you know yes. so, so hopefully you'll bring that. But uh, super excited. It's the ninth uh, .next that we've had the cube at, which is all of them. It's the eighth one I've had the pleasure of attending. And Rebecca, as you said, uh, you know, I've watched this company since early, early days. First time uh, I went to Nutanix's office, uh, the, the paint was drying on the wall there. And Deeraj, actually, uh, the CEO, founder of the company, showed me, here's actually from a real estate standpoint, we're going to expand here and move here. And if things go well, like we think, we will move across the street and we can really build out a corporate headquarters. And actually, all of that has happened. So 5,000 employees. 10 years of celebration here, over 5,000 employees. Um, there are some things that have not changed at all. From the very first interview that uh, John Furrier and I had with Deeridge, uh, it was talking about the complexity of building distributed architectures and software. What, what Nutanix has learned from the hyperscale players absolutely impacts what they're doing. But this landscape has changed so greatly. You know, you know this was originally, everybody thought about it was, you know, that, that term hyperconverged infrastructure came out. It was about appliances and how many boxes you have. But at the core, it always was software. And today, we heard them talking about how you live in that hybrid and multi-cloud world, all of these software pieces, uh, many of which, you know, seem to have, they're loosely coupled uh, with the, the core AOS software, which itself has gone through a complete revision to be ready for cloud native, the latest databases, all of the new things. So we know there is so much change going on in our industry, um, but, but I saw what, what was built here is a culture and a company, not just a product. Uh, and so it is a celebration. I love that they started with some of their early customers and partners, especially here in Europe. So very international flavor, of course, uh, over 50 company, countries represented uh, at this show. We can see the, the energy uh, behind us with the Expo hall here and uh yeah uh you know new tantanix have been public now for about three years um going through a lot of transitions and uh lots of stuff for us to dig into over the next absolutely days. we're gonna we're gonna get into all of that one of one of your tweets from this morning was where you you were watching the main stage and you said nutanix is finally starting to answer that question what is the value of nutanix in the data center you have a devoted twitter following Stu, so we're all dying to hear how, what it, how do you see them answering that question and is it enough well it it's actually how they fit into the hyperscale right, right, data centers right. because we know where Nutanix fits in the on-premises data center. That's where they've lived. But as customers are figuring out and you know the the uh, you know the the thing that gets talked about a bunch here is you know the technology that you know, most of the customers use here is, is virtualization. And VMware, of course, is the, has, still has a dominant position in this environment, while uh, almost half of all Nutanix nodes that shipped in the last year use AHV, the Acropolis hypervisor, uh, which is free. It's by Nutanix. It's based off of the KVM open source. Uh, the rest of them are using pre predominantly VMware. There's a little bit of Hyper-V in there, but 
when you go to that cloud environment, um, I want some of the same software stack I want to be able to be able to put there. So, right, there's uh, one of the nuggets uh, that they showed towards the end of the keynote today, uh, and they, they've teased it out a little bit over the last year. It's what they call Zy clusters. So that is their stack or what they call X in some of those clouds. The first one, uh, interestingly enough, is, is AWS. And I say interestingly because Google has been a, a solution that Nutanix has been working on, uh, but AWS is actually opening up bare metal instances. So it doesn't mean, you know, we, we take our stack and we put it on the side and we, we have specialized hardware. It's the EC2 bare metal instances that we're going to be able to run the Nutanix software. And we've seen a number of companies out there. Uh, Pure Storage is one. Uh, Dave Vellante and Lisa Martin were at that show uh, not that long ago talking about, you know, if I am truly software and I'm independent of location, how can I integrate into some of these environments? So that's where we see Nutanix looking to go. It's in tech preview with AWS. Uh, GCP is something they can do for demo environments, but it's not yet open to be able to put in production environments. Uh, you know, the, the hope from Nutanix and others is that Google will open that up. Google is positioned themselves in the open cloud. And then Azure will be there too. So other clouds. So when customers choose their environments and their own data centers, their hosted environment, the public clouds, we know there's going to be a lot of moves and changes and it's not going to be a one-way or a one-time thing. So I want to get solutions that give flexibility uh, and allow me to place where I want to and then move things as, as my strategy needs to adjust. So uh, really interesting stuff. Definitely something what we'll geek out with uh, you know, here at the show. <laughs> well, talking about the competitive landscape, this is a company that is that is a solid number two. You, you've talked about this a lot in your analyst reports and at, at these various shows to VMware. It, this, is a, this is a two-horse race. There's a lot of money to be made in this market. Where do you see, new, this is a company somewhat under pressure, but where do you see Nutanix strengths and where do you see its biggest obstacles to overcome, especially as it, as it goes head-to-head with VMware? Yeah, so the, the, from the, the early discussion about hyper-converged infrastructure, it is down to two companies, and it doesn't get talked as, as much as, as, as it might have a couple of years ago. Um, it, there were some of my peers in the industry, you know, three, four years ago, there were like 30 companies out there. Uh, there were a few acquisitions. Uh, Cisco made an acquisition. HPE made an acquisition. Uh, you know, VMware has their offerings out there, but really it is two, you know, lead horses out there. If you talk from a revenue and a dollar standpoint, it is VMware and their partnerships there. Dell, of course, has the the, the leading offering uh, from VMware. And then Nutanix is strong. And Nutanix is growing customers. They've got over 14,000 customers. They added over 3,500 uh, in the last 12 months. Uh, so growing strong, uh, good growth. Uh, the transition from... Uh, being uh, both, you know, software always at the core, but really kind of ridding themselves of the hardware, going to full subscription and software model uh, has been increasing their gross margin. They're up to about 80 points of gross margin up, if I remember right, about three, three, three and a half from from a year ago. Uh, It has moderated their revenue because if you look traditionally and say, okay, what's their bookings and what's their billings, um, it is flat even down a little bit, but that is because you're shifting from, well, I'm pulling along a whole bunch of stuff that I'm really not taking margin on uh, to pure software. So um, they believe they're past uh, the, the, the toughest piece of that transition, and I'm sure Deeridge will be talking about that they've done the fastest transition of any company that's done this. Uh, he sits on the board of Adobe. Adobe uh, went to that subscription model from just software subscription, so they're doing that. Um, but the big change is really if you talk about, okay, 
you know, Nutanix is number two. Well, that's the hyperconverged market. That's what we were talking about a couple of years ago. When we're talking the multi-cloud market, you're talking about companies like Microsoft and Google and Cisco and, of course, VMware competing there. And Nutanix would not be one of the first ones that I would mention, but they do have their well-positioned to help their customers. And what we need in cloud is the simplicity that hyperconverged solutions uh, like Nutanix brought to the data center. So Nutanix has that opportunity to reach a much broader audience and a much broader market to go from the 14,000 customers they have to literally hundreds of thousands of companies out there that need these types of solutions. And if they are to be 10 years from now at their 20 years, looking back and saying, where do they fit in cloud? Where are they as uh, you know, a, a, a true uh, you know, technology software company for businesses? Uh, that is the mark that they will need to make. And you're, what you're saying about the simplicity, that is, what, that is the message that we are given here today is that this is all about simplicity, choice, and delight. Make computing invisible. And do you think, I mean, that, that, so that's their message. That's, that's, the, that's the marketing uh, gambit here all together now. Do you think that, is, is it going to work? I mean, this, it, is, it is clearly what you say that the market needs, but is, does Nutanix have the staying power in so, your mind? So, Rebecca, I, I, I think you'll agree. What's nice is when you hear the customers out on stage you know, they, they, they actually give you the reality. And it is, uh, you know, in the early days of these shows, it was, I love Nutanix. It gave me my weekends back. <laughs> um, the quote that I had from a customer that I spoke to getting ready for this show is, what I loved about this, they actually had a customer uh, that the main IT staff was not really in favor of going Nutanix. They were certified and knew how to use the existing hardware and software. And it's been years working on that. Um, and they follow the rules. And he said, I don't want IT to follow the rules. I want them to try things. I want them to break things. Um, you know, I, I want them to be able to get ahead of the business and not just meet the requirements. So he said, we're spending, we're ramping up our spending on training and education and sending them to events like this. And Nutanix is an enabler because it doesn't just work. It exceeds their expectations. It is better performance. They have headroom to be able to try things and, and throw things at it. Um, and that is exciting. So uh, it's, it's not just, as I said, oh, uh, this interesting box that I stick in a corner and I don't worry about it. Uh, it is changing uh, that, that culture. Um, something I've been looking at, you know, can some of these technologies actually drive some of that cultural changes? Because traditionally, it's, you know, executive mandate. You put something new in and everybody fights against it. So some of this can actually be from the ground level up is I get into these tools and solutions um, and it changes my workflow, it changes how I work between groups. How do I get the developers involved? There's a lot of talk about the applications. Um, the, the messaging that they unveiled here all together now, uh, that, that resonates with, you know, I can't just have my database and my apps and my data itself in siloed as to who can access it and who can use it and have to worry about, oh, I need nine months and hundreds of thousands of dollars to do anything. I want to be able to, you know, IT needs to be not no or slow, but go. Uh, shout out to, uh, you know, uh, Cube alum Alan Cohen, who actually uh, interviewed at the first dot .next. Um, so he was, uh, you know, early supporter uh, of Nutanix. And, you know, that, that's what the de kind of the developer driven uh, mantra is, you know, uh, IT very much working with the business. And if it can drive innovation, I mean, Rebecca, we've been talking you about that from a cultural standpoint. You are stepping into my wheelhouse standpoint. to quote another yeah, very yeah. Uh, important female uh, leader at the moment. But the, exactly. Talking about how technology 
technology can drive cultural change within a large organization because Nutanix is a large organization now. It's it's only 10 years old, but it is it is not a startup. It is a, it is a large, complex, uh, exceedingly complicated organization. And so how do you drive innovation, creativity, change, collaboration, communication between different silos? These are all these are all topics that we're going to de- delve into today. Another word we keep hearing, uh, sort of a cultural buzzword at this conference, is resilience. Yep. And we're going to, uh, on the main stage, we're going to hear from uh, Carolyn Wozniacki, who is a very famous tennis player. We're going to hear from the CEO of Noma, who is, of, of course, uh, Copenhagen's famous culinary uh, delight. And, of course, Kit Harrington. Yeah, so any, anybody that watched Game of Thrones, um, you know, Jon Snow was definitely resilient to be able to last uh, the eight seasons and everything that happened across it. So, um, and, and Deerich, uh, you know, one thing we really respect, um, you know, we've we watched him since the early days. Um, he is very thoughtful as to how he goes. Uh, and uh, what he actually said to me yesterday, he said, Stu, you know, we are, you're going to hear some of the same words that some of the other vendors, but the, you know, the why and the how underneath that for us is different. And that's very important. And especially in the technology space, that, that nuance and the, you know, really, how's that work? And, you know, how does that put together? And not just that we can do it, but is this the right way and does it make sense? So they are thoughtful about how they do it and, and they're moving forward. So, um, you know, they definitely believe their position well. Uh, for the the next phase of their journey, and uh, always it's been a pleasure to you know watch this and uh, you know to, to talk to all the uh, the builders, the dreamers, uh, and the disruptors. Uh, uh, yeah, dreamers, believers, and builders is what they, they came out this morning. So well, we're we're going to be we have a lot of great guests on the show today. I'm so excited to be hosting here with you in Copenhagen uh, at, at this next dot dot next. So we have Deerage Pandy coming up next. I'm Rebecca Knight for Stu Miniman. Please keep tuned to The Cube. You're watching The Cube.